Hey, legendary human. Yes, I'm talking to you. Love the show? Why not joining hundreds of creatives already part of our collective for monthly masterminds, challenges, masterclasses, and so much more? We help creatives make a positive impact in the world with their message and their content. So give your creative work the visibility that it deserves. Find out more about how to get involved in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, you know, it just seems perfect. They don't have to be sat behind a desk and they're not, you know, they don't have to request holidays. They can work from wherever and it does look so perfect. But then when you're in it, actually, people don't see how hard it is. Hello, gorgeous ladies. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? (laughs) Samantha keeps coming in. (laughs) Just like, like, like a wave. Um, on the beach <laughs> every single time we're <laughs> talking it's really cute sorry <laughs> it's fine I, I am training you to get as close to the mic as possible so it's working really well um, well I'm excited to talk about a, a very close topic of all of us uh, photography and talking about that I want to ask you what is your fir- one of your first memories about you taking pictures because I have one and I can mm. start with mine because I can see the yeah, faces okay. oh that's a great question not really taking pictures, but there are two memories that I have about two very significant times. One, there's a really cute picture of me, not video of me, being very mini. And my mum mm. recording me in front of a camera, just talking and doing a very funny... I might put an a audio sample if I can remember <laughs> it. If not, it's fine. Um, of me talking to the camera about this little barbie doll uh, drinking gatorade and playing basketball oh i've seen this video it's cool mm-hmm. and that was a video. i haven't seen this video it was on my instagram stories but i can share it with you afterwards because it's again humbly kind of cute and that was my first video so i loved being in front of a camera surprise surprise and uh, photography one of my best memories was going to bath i was living in bath at the time and i remember i went to one of the parks and i took closer pictures of flowers i loved <laughs> it was fucking boring but I love taking pictures of flowers. And um, again, I was 20, 21. So I really, there was a time when I did like a lot of photography in DeviantArt. Did, does either of you know that? No. It was a cool like community of photographers or artists as well. And I'll put my best photographs, a lot of black and white, love black and white, of mm-hmm. flowers or, um, you know, cities or little um, details. So I was very much a weird artsy photographer. These are my two memories. One of photos, Aww. one of videos. Very cute. I, I suppose, yeah, my, well, my earliest memory of, like, a, photog- a photograph of photography in general is we had this um, relative who lives in Australia, and every time she would come over, we'd all do, like, a massive photo shoot, because obviously we only saw her once every, like, ten years. Mm-hmm. So we'd all get together and have, like, a little garden photo shoot, and there's loads of pictures of me and my brother. So that's probably my earliest, like, actual photography memory. Um, otherwise, my most kind of embarrassing, horrendous photo would definitely be the first one I ever took of food for my Instagram account, which I think my mum had made. It was like mash, sweet corn and sausages, I think. I took a picture <laughs> of it and it looked gross and I don't know why I shared it, but I did. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say that's the first one of food mm-hmm. that I can remember. Yeah. I'd like to think I've come on a bit. I guess since then. mum, stop, stop. This is going to be golden. <laughs> Love it. Also, who serves sweet corn with, with natural sauce? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no digress. Love you, Mum. Yeah. 
Um, I think my earliest memory of kind of taking photos and like loving photography was I had a Spice Girls Polaroid camera. Oh yes. And I absolutely loved it. I remember getting it for Christmas or for a birthday and I was so excited. I would take photos all the time. It was come to parties and I just love like the instant like Polaroid aspect of it. Um, We've also been really big on photos at home so we have loads of albums which is so lovely and I just love looking through them. I love those. And that thing, what you don't have nowadays, because everything's on a phone, or even on a camera, like a proper camera, but you don't print them. Whereas back then, you literally had a camera, and you printed the whole reel, and like, I would take them on school trips, and then like, you'd have a school trip reel, which was so fun, and it was so nice to look back. Um, So yeah, definitely always been really big on photos. Um, Did your parents or, or, you know, relatives write down, my grandma, she had loads, or we have loads of family's house, and... My grandma used to write the date yeah. and the location yeah. and all of them. It was yeah. really cute. My mum yeah. didn't do that. And my grandma loved that. So she, she would see like the date. So because, you know, when you're young, you look chubby and cute. Like yeah. between three and six, you don't know exactly how old you are. And she would write it down. So we kind of do it under like a timeline. Yeah. I yeah. suppose that's one good thing about a phone is you've got the location and the date yeah. typically in most photos. Yeah. Well, so you can always look back. And I love it when my phone lets me know that I took a photo two years ago. Oh, yeah. Years ago. The that's memories. always quite nice. Yeah. But... As a family, we try and like print each year. We'll just send out send out yeah. a load of um, pictures that we've taken. They get printed them in, into the book, and then it's yeah. just we've got one of those at each year. So we try and print rather than printing them and then sticking in folders and stuff like that. Because yeah, I do cute. like that's quite a good way of mm. making sure they're not always on your phone. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard. We isn't do it? that now. We do like a mass like clear up. And we've got like a box, and it's all obviously all ordered into yeah. months and years and everything. Um, but yeah, we try and do it once a year because yeah. it's such good practice. Otherwise have all these photos just sat exactly. there exactly. doing nothing and it's also yeah. nice to remember and kind of like get yeah, that yeah. memory as well but it's kind of funny because I was thinking like especially talking about your gorgeous first photo which was something making fun of now so uh, but you know I'm kind of thinking about when we were developing talking about content obviously the curriculum for the content mastery course mm. that we kind of show all together as well and it's kind of interesting to go through different stages and then realize kind of like a lot of the things that we've talked about. We talk about how to do the first recipe video, we talk about how to do your first stop motion, and there's always like a first you have to start mm. with, I find. Yeah. And there's always, I think, different people have found different, um, not different hurdles, but I think that there's like different quote unquote issues that you kind yeah. of have to go through. And like, for example, for me, actually, stop motion videos. I, I run that lesson or element section, I suppose. And it's so easy for me to do because for me, for example, the text side is the easiest thing. Mm. Whereas, for example, that's why you talk a lot about styling in the... Yeah. Because that's kind of, I would exactly, say, yeah, yeah. Your, your top-notch element. It just comes really natural. And I think yeah. it's just understanding your strengths as well when it comes to... If you want to take more photos, obviously, you kind of want to know your strengths and understand what you need to work on as you witness. Yeah, I suppose like start with something that feels more comfortable or more exciting for you. And then... If there's something that's more difficult, then you can kind of grasp that once you've got the hang of mm. your preferred. So, like, I started with styling and then learned how to capture good, like, quality pictures of what I've styled. Whereas, I suppose you would be the other way around. Yeah. Like you learn the tech and then you style. Yeah, yeah. And like the theory in itself, I guess. And yeah. then it's kind of okay, how can I make it more alive and more, more like yeah. myself mm. and a touch? And then you also add the element of. Uh, food which is what mo- both of you take pictures of mostly mm-hmm. yeah. and I think it just make it a bit different like you know there's so many yeah. smoothie balls <laughs> exactly how to make it stand out yeah. um, and just show off your personality I guess as well 
I have a suggestion. Um, get Amy to tell you how to do a fixed stars. Because that will definitely make you stand out in any feed ever. That will make this really well stand out, yeah. Yeah. But it's true, it's that kind of things. You find something, I don't know, probably you can tell us actually where it came from, but you find something in somewhere else's picture and you're like, oh, that looks really cute. Yeah. And you kind of want to learn this little mm. element of it. Yeah, no, it's definitely all from like inspiration from seeing other people and like what they're doing, colours people use, props people use. Um, yeah, I think visually, social media can be such an inspiration yeah. and cookbooks as well. Um, definitely for photography, not necessarily the actual food, but how it's styled exactly. and the elements and composition and all yeah. that is something that. I'm forever learning. Um, and I like how actually in the lesson that Samantha did for the Content Mastery course, there's a lot of visual like examples that you got from Pinterest, actually. Yeah. And it kind of like really shows you that, that when you start getting the eye, and that's kind of what you're almost training people to do when it comes to, yeah. that, to, to those lessons, it's kind of like showing them that there actually are patterns. Yeah. And once you see them, you can kind of understand a bit better the flow and then you can actually choose a bit more mindfully. Mm how you want people to feel is something they talk about a lot. We talk about it anyway overall the course because it's important if you don't get tap into the feelings, the emotions, then pretty photos are pretty photos, but you kind of want to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking, right now we're going to talk to Emily actually, so that's kind of where this all comes from. And Emily Young, she um, started Emily Journal as a blog, but now she's also talking about their freelancing, both on the social media side, but also her passion for photography. And then she went into a very interesting uh, element or niche I suppose which is actually uh, sports and uh, like athletes and kind of like literally following people on the run which is really interesting because she talks about how actually you have to be really fit in order to follow people I can imagine on yeah. a triathlon a marathon and just be next to them just taking pictures <laughs> of them without wanting to kill yourself basically um, but that's kind of what's fascinating I think it's just different when it comes to creating content whichever stream you go through you will have your challenges whether mm-hmm. it is how to make something look like gooey without having to add like oil or whatever mm. the tricks that you learned that are disgusting and trying to make it still look like good food yeah without making it fracking food i suppose mm. uh, is that one tip that you can think of you would want to share with somebody before we just jump on the episode itself Ooh, um i would say when you're learning about all the different compositions and styles and stuff don't just think about it in terms of the photo that you're taking but like look for them in day-to-day life as well mm-hmm. so I was doing um some like frames within a frame examples in that course and ended up finding loads in like doorways or archways or the ways trees are when you're outside so like just try and look for them everywhere because it will help your understanding of how that works mm. yeah that's really good um I think lighting is something that's really, really important. I thought that's one you might say as well, something, oh no. Um, yeah, natural lighting is obviously the best. And just kind of, if you're playing around with photography, just play around with where you're shooting, uh, what time of day you're shooting. It changes throughout the year. And yeah, don't be put off by it, but just like really learn how to kind of adapt it. And maybe you need to kind of reflect some light, maybe you need to like shade some light, but just really focus on the light. Mm. I love that. Well, guys, if you need anything else and if you want more inspiration, you go through our courses there is actually a free class called uh, create your visual content calendar which i'm definitely recommending to check out because it helps you is that free class you hear my voice again surprise surprise and it virtually teaches you how to define your content calendar and how to get the visuals into the time of the year and kind of never run out of content that's something that people say all the time run out of content with the note to post so it kind of helps you with that first step before you even learn obviously all the tips that the girls have shared and more 
jumping into the episode with Emily. We hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Kind of started moving into more like content creations, like photography and videography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, like so normally if I'm coming down, I'll book a shoot in. Uh, even if I've, if I'm actually coming down for like this or a meeting tomorrow, yeah, I think yeah. I might as well tie it in. I'm That's so the thing glad. that like um, I was talking because uh, I'm, I'm moving again. So by the time this goes out, I'm gonna be moved. Yay! <laughs> but at this very time when I'm talking, I am moving, and I was talking to my friend Sarah, who hopefully is gonna be in the podcast as well. And it's just like, if you are far away enough, I mean, you're much more than what I'm going to be, but if you're far away enough, you are more mindful of what you do and yeah. you're trying to get people to work around you. Definitely. And I think that's a double-edged sword of it in London. You can be a more, bit more present with a lot of things, but then also, it's harder to say no. Yeah. Because they'll be like, ah, oh, it's going to be only half an hour and jump on the tube, it's fine. And I think you come to a some point, especially when you are... You know, you're valuing your time and your most mm. of your time is money. Yeah. Because it's the it's the be- one of the best ways to actually value, you know, how many projects you can take on, I mm. suppose, especially for you. It's hard because you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to go to this and go to that and then half of that is gone. Yeah. It's just without even having Probably. to literally do anything. Yeah. And so you're actually a bit more mindful. I noticed that already when I used to be where I'm going to be back, back south a bit. Uh, I was there before and that's what happened. Mm. Now that I'm back in central London for a bit it's just it's so much easier to say yes and yeah. it's it's blessing and a curse at the same time yeah because like it's funny when i come here because like if you do a 40 minute journey you don't think twice of here yeah, like, yeah that's just like yeah you jump on the tube that's where it is like i probably about an hour from i was in Wandsworth town yeah. to here don't think twice about it if i drove from hull to leeds it's just an hour yeah that'd be like the only thing you would do in your day you'd be like wow i've, I've went to leeds today yeah it'd be a big thing <laughs> but here it's just like Exactly. And that's the thing, you're right, like, I think time warps, like, I walked from Waterloo to Shoreditch when I was south mm. the first time, and it was an hour, and I just, for me, it was the best way, because I just, I don't like the tubes as much, especially yeah. in rush hour, Agreed, which is, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean, and I remember that, like, people would be like, oh my god, it's just an hour, plus half an hour train, oh my god, it's an hour, and I was like, first of all, I know how long it's going to be, there's no delays, it's just my walking, mm. and I was like, it's fine. Yeah. I don't notice it because I would either listen to a podcast. Now I tend to write when I'm on the go, which is weird, but just the way my brain yeah, processes it's good things. good that you can do that. Yeah, just my brain likes that. Depends. Like, for example, I'm really tired this week, so it's, I need to be mindful of my energy level. But if, yeah. I, if I make it more of a routine and I start my day with it, uh, then I can do the writing, which kind of yeah. is like we're taking about the train. You know, you have these mm. five hours, you can actually get stuff done. Uh, but it, for people, it's hard to comprehend that an hour walk is nothing. Yeah. Everything takes you at least 20 minutes to half an hour to get to anyway. Yeah, so you may as well. Mm. Yes. We, well, we walked to um, Clapham Junction last night, and that's like 20, 20, 30 minutes maybe, maybe 20 minutes. And you just don't think twice about it. But at home, like, because I work from home, I'm self-employed, I just yeah, like yeah. sit all day. And like, I know I train a lot, but then outside of training, I'm quite inactive, and that really bothers me. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you find that? I, are you finding you're in a happy place with that, or you're still trying to kind of balance that one out? Because I... I'm back to where you're at and it kind of bothers me too. Um, it really bothers me the whole... I feel very stifled sat at home working from home. Like, I like it and I hate it at the same time <laughs> and then and I really do... Like, I think because I've got so much training to fit in, I feel bad then taking a 20-minute walk somewhere. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, I feel guilty. I'm like, even though I do my training at, like, 
before working hours or you know way before that and after working hours I just feel like I can't justify it but then I know my like mental health my creativity levels everything suffers so I'm like why do I not just because what someone else might think of me walking for 20 minutes at lunch yeah kind of like when I really think about it it's more about what other people think and then I'm like if I'm actually rational about it nobody cares do you think it's also a case of um still trading how much time you're working for how much you get done yeah that doesn't make sense what I'm saying. No, it does. It's like, um, there's a really good like uh, Instagram meme going around, like, you know, your self-worth is not um, like quantified by how much you get done or how much you take on. Not necessarily what you what you get done, but what you say you're doing or taking on or whatever, what you feel like. You've got like a massive, like, and I do, I'm like one of those people, I like a big to-do list and I like almost being like, I'm so busy. But yeah, you know, like, but at the same time, then it causes me loads of stress and it's like, that's not practical. I didn't do that as good as I could have done. I could have just half that list, taken it on, done a really good job and been a much happier person. I agree, I agree. And I think it's that, is exactly what you said, it's just like how we're measuring the worth of our success. Yeah. And like what, how we, the, what's the metric and realistically speaking, it's, it's a lot of the time is how much, how much you get done. And I think as a content creator and I guess freelancer in that respect it can be hard. Actually, I like, I mean, I'm, I became a salesperson just because I had to, because once I think it's sales becomes more natural when you're on the freelancing side and you're just selling one thing. Now they have a company who have to sell different things. Yeah. So sales becomes different. Is We have to outreach triple. I mm. mean, everybody should be able to outreach and talk to people about what they do. But talking to Romy, Romy London, uh, which is also in the, in the season of the podcast, and uh, she was saying that because she networked so much before she got into uh, this as um, kind of like a freelancing, self-employed stuff, she had already like a good network and it helped her out, which probably we're going to talk about again because it's a really interesting topic. Different people do it different ways. But I noticed that it's still a bit different when you have loads of products and you're going at scale. Yeah. And you have to talk to people all the time. And I think on sale, it's more stressful being in sales, but also you might have three phone calls or 20, but a lot of the time it's more like the quality of them and some of them you just take it off. So a salesperson can be really happy because they landed one deal. Yeah. And they can be, okay, like I feel like today I've done enough. It's just, and I was talking to people, and that's sometimes how they think. Kind of like salespeople is fascinating. Whereas um, with creation, it's kind of harder because you don't know where to fit it in, and then you have to go on top of that, all the admin and all yeah. that's going to be doing and all the other things. Um, and I found that really, really fascinating. Um, and I think there's still not enough people talking about what you do because I think I'm still slightly different. Mm. The way that you work, and there are a lot of influencers, content creators, call them as you want, work because it's such a new thing. Yeah. It's even different than freelancing the way that a freelance designer would do. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you that. Well, I, I really struggle with the, the mix because I'm like, if people ask what I do, I feel like I've got a really like multi-hyphenated job role because I just yeah. don't even know what it is. <laughs> and it's like, it's because I and now I'm going into just like content creation for brands and you know influencers for me I'm like that's separate to Emily's journal but it's yeah. not it all interlinks like it's a full brand people see that content I create and then okay she's doing that for herself this is what she can do for me yeah so then sometimes I feel guilty if I spend time on my blog because I'm like oh that's not work but it is work and it's really bizarre like you know because it is part of it's just all, it is a part of my job it's part yeah. of my life I guess you know and if you're freelance or creative 
every work is your life isn't it like it, there isn't really a i turn off at five and i forget about work yeah it's like 24 7 do you so actually weird. have two websites right now or you still have one because yeah, that's the other two. thing that's interesting yeah i've got two so i've got emily may media i mean if you go on there's like another tab and it's like about me it'll take you to emily's journal because i, I find because i'm interested more in sport photography and, and content i think it's good for people to know that I can keep up with you, you know, like, yeah. you physically, like, that's actually quite it's important, true, like, no, sure. I went and shot the Three Peaks Marathon, and, like, no other photographer, really, unless they were fit, would get up two peaks, like I did, to manage to get the runners on both peaks, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. by the time they've done three, so I'm like, I think that's a positive, you know, that's kind of almost a niche for me, so I should sell that, um, I understand what's a good shot, because I'm a runner myself, like, I, you know, have to get content for me on that respect, so, yeah, it's really confusing, people are like, I'll message people off my Instagram account and they always tag the wrong handle. I'm like, no, no, that was an Emily May Media tag. Oh, no, no, that's an Emily's <laughs> Journal one. <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> How was that, by the way? How was that experience of actually, like, shooting for that gig? What you just thought? Because the funny fact, like, that's really cool. Well, that wasn't a paid, that was, like, a portfolio piece because mm-hmm. I'm, like, really picking my battles at the minute of, like, you know, it's when you're starting out, it's hard. You've just got to do work that you love and hopefully do a good job at it and then get work. But that kind of thing I just love because I'm just like, it. that's like a proper Yorkshire uh, tough race. No singing, no dancing. Like, you know, people, <laughs> spectators come walk in front of you and it's like, nobody cares. It's just like, it's not a big thing. It's not glamorous. So I love that. Um, but it's getting there. Like, I'm lucky that I'm friends with a few bloggers as well. So I can I can shoot with them, which is like getting me more jobs, which yeah, is yeah, no, good. But it's kind of nice, as you say, it's kind of nice that you are finding your niche in that respect where you're kind of tying that fitness out of it. Yeah. In a way that I like a lot more, there's nothing wrong with the the static shoots. You know what I mean? Like the static, yeah, yeah. like, active wear. Like, gym. looking around, gym, yeah. shoots, and, like... So I like the active wear ones, though, they are, like, in the middle of Notting Hill. Yeah. In the mirror, and I'm like, interesting. But I, to me, that kind of speaks... What speaks more to me is something a bit more dynamic. Yeah, definitely. I think... Even me not being necessarily an athlete in that way, um, I just kind of understand what you're talking about. And I think it's, it's nice that you can try and tap into that as something yeah. that has your unique edge. I think it's, for me as well, like it's more challenging as well because if it's like a, a, like a static shoot, it's posed. It's like you've made sure you've got that perfect. You can manipulate it how you want or how you envision it. But when, when it's like, you know... A, somebody actually physically running in a race they're not bothered about the picture taken so you've got to work out okay what is the best angle going to be where is the light how can I make this as creative as possible when yeah. I've got no control of what they're going to do I'm just going to hope they're doing this good and I'm going to you know so it's a bit more challenging but way more interesting I think how have you um how are you building up that is this literally like experience right now or something that you've already done before a couple of times for fun so it's kind of like where is your I suppose yeah, like you know your training is, yeah. is happening when it comes to like the, this kind of photography. Is it happening right now with all of these portfolio opportunities, or is it something that you've already tested before? It's a bit of both. Like I, I did um, photography and videography and stuff at A level, so you know mm-hmm. very basic kind of school stuff. And it's always been like an onside passion. And then because of my blog, like I I did kind of I did PR and stuff as my you know job at yeah, this, yeah. alongside Emily's journal kind of stuff. And so I used myself was quite kind of it was always focused around Emily's journal content so I was like learning to get that better because I was like the more I improve that the more opportunities I'll get through that and it's what I love doing 
So it's kind of been ongoing, but just not really with other people, if yeah. that makes sense. So now I'm learning so much more with these portfolio pieces. But I am kind of at a point where I'm like, you have to actually put yourself in a situation where it's real life. Like, you'll never learn everything. You'll never be at a point where you're like, yep, I'm good to go. I feel like you've just got to go with it and you yes. learn along the way. And I am, I've always kind of taken that approach to everything, like mm. with Ironman training and everything. So, so what do you think? Because you mentioned like help with the, your blog and then being friends with other bloggers. What are the things that you found out of really helping you finding your opportunities and objectively in your more work? Because if you're self-employed at some point, you will have to actually convert into paying the bills. Yeah, um, well, it's hard because I think I learned this through like growing my own blog. Like that was quite a good, almost like business that I've kind of been growing along. And I think I've learned loads because I think I maybe started about four years ago. Yeah. And at first I tried to do what, I looked what everyone else was doing that was doing well, the people that were doing well, yeah. and I tried to replicate that. Yeah. And I've slowly learned, actually, you've got to do you. Like, it doesn't matter if it's not as popular and, you know, in a wetsuit doesn't get as many likes as somebody in a bikini picture. <laughs> but, you know, that's you, and it'll eventually kind of, brands kind of understand your niche, and there's no point offering the same thing as somebody else. Like, yeah. just a different version of it. And I guess it's the same with the photography. Like, okay, there might be more money if I went into I don't know weddings or you know easier yeah, yeah. things like that but if it's not what I want to do you know and how can I do it differently so now I just really try always think about that like I take inspiration from people as everyone does but yeah, I think yeah. about how could I put my spin on that or what do I like about that and it might be what someone else hates about it but just don't try you know people will hire you because they've seen you work and they like it so don't try to like change your work to fit yeah. people I think how are you finding that spinning the two now? Like having um, Emily's journal and then having the the photography and then of course like the media also has some, I suppose, other little ties to it as well. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> More for people say. than me. Um, but yeah, like I, I, do, I do like it because I do think they work and it's really nice as much as it's really confusing at like if you meet someone for dinner and they ask what do you do for work and you really struggle because you've got like five <laughs> job titles... I just think it's nice because it's like a mix. No day is ever the same and it's, you know, it, no afternoon, morning, it just completely varies. And especially when some of them do inter- interlink. For like example, I did a job, two friends who are bloggers. So it's like it's a day of hanging out with my friends, yeah. even though it's technically work. And for the actual job, it required me to run as well. So I got like 12, mi- 12 miles worth of training in, but I was actually working and spending time with my friends. And I'm like, for me, that's that's all of it. It's all work, you know, the blend. So, yeah, it's a juggle, but it, I like it. I think it fits. I think I like what you said as well. It's just a lot of the time, for you, it doesn't become confusing. It's more learning how to communicate that to other people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that they're kind of like, okay, now I get that. Because it's like, okay, so which one is which? I think, in a way, without realising, uh, a lot of us are still kind of, like, seeing things as not like um, not like a mind map or a pyramid, but kind of like, more like, a, yeah, I guess a mind map. Like a tree, that's the one, huh? <laughs> a tree, you know, um, or with the branches and the roots and stuff. So you kind of see, like, one big thing, and then you see all the things that fall underneath. Yeah. And sometimes the, this tree actually just got trained with a different root, like, branches? Not even branches, different roots I suppose um, I don't know. you know what I mean I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally people cannot see I'm moving my hands in a very <laughs> weird Italian way and it looks like I'm, I'm springing a fountain or something anyway but the point is the roots now are separate I suppose yeah and then underneath that there is more so it's kind of hard for people to see as you say that the, 
you know, the hyphenating bits. And then I saw many different things that start new projects and every project is its own thing and people don't understand that because obviously it doesn't fit into one job title. Yeah. And I think as you say that's what it gets confusing because we like let's be honest we like the one word or the one title thing because it just makes us feel a bit safer and it kind of helps us labeling yeah but um there was um there's a book actually i haven't read it so i'll just say that is called the multi-hyphen i've read it yes that's yeah. a method by emma gannon and um that's kind of what i was thinking when you said multi-hyphen yeah because that's kind of what it is isn't it that's i i took a lot of inspiration from that book and i think for me i really i don't suffer with anxiety that's like i it's running because kind of a bit of a release to stop me getting stressed about work but yeah. that's the you know and that book really helped me feel better about the fact that okay I can't you know go to dinner and answer a question what do I do like my friends can and they say oh like I'm a sales director or I'm this or I'm that I have to say well <laughs> I do a bit of this and I do a bit of that and I do that and kind of explain it to people but that's becoming more the norm now and it's absolutely yeah. okay and it's like just because we were always before had to go do a nine till five and probably not like it but that was work yeah i feel yeah. like that is kind of the mentality of maybe a few generations ago now it's like actually you it, you can have a job but it's hard to distinguish as a job and you don't really know what's job and what's not because you just actually do really love what you do and it all you know blends like it is confusing and it is strange and it's very hard to explain to like my nan what I do you know like <laughs> how is that work well those it doesn't are the best look like ones. it but, I think, yeah you know what though I think those are the best challenges because you actually have to tell somebody who cannot grasp it what it is yeah and if you manage to explain it to them this is kind of my I don't know why I'm giving you an exercise but that could be a fun exercise okay. try and explain somebody like your nan mm. or whatever like the old auntie or whatever what you do and see if you can do it in one sentence it doesn't have to be one thing but if you can do it in one sentence you find that you actually can encompass everything you do. Like, yeah. I say that I, you know, I started companies and I do different things, but my idea is to help people making an impact in health and wellness. Obviously, then I help more people because sometimes it's relevant to people that maybe are in another industry, but that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah. And that is actually what I do and also what the HPC does. So I kind of like, both of them are together, but it took me years and years and I'm like, I'm an author, I'm a founder, I am an entrepreneur. I am a mentor. I'm so many things still. Yeah. But the fact that you can encompass it with the one thing, whether it's like, you know, I create content. It can be broad. It doesn't have to be a sentence that is very specific, but it just helps you out seeing that there is a way yeah. to bring it all together. It's called the elevator pitch, which is an old thing that marketing and business used to do. But I think there's still a place for that. It's like what I call your Instagram bio um, kind of like catcher is the thing that kind of catches that yeah. people have on the Instagram bio. Um, it's harder when you're a personal brand as well. So, you know, that's the thing. Like, yeah, that kind of... Um, and that's why yeah, well, people do what you do, where you have two Instagram accounts. Because it's part of your portfolio, isn't it? A yeah, lot of it. Definitely. And we found out that... Actually, that's a good question. I'm just... Fab, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> <Hold> on. <laughs> I'm going to tap myself on the, on the shoulder now. Uh, but have you found that um, Instagram also helps as a portfolio as well as obviously that, you know, still Emily's journal and engagement and stuff in a way, kind of getting people in. Yeah, so I, so I set up a separate one, which is really new, which is my media one now, because mm-hmm. that's showing other people, like, I don't feature on that. You wouldn't know what I look like if you were just on that. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed I can use Emily's journal to drive traffic to that. Yeah. Because I think 
I really do take a lot of pride in the content that I put out on Emma's journal. Like it's, I, I like to, I would think it's very high quality content. I do, you know, I've always bear in mind if I'm trying to be seen as a content creator, it's got to reflect that in every piece of content I'm putting it out, whether yeah. it's under that job role or not, you know, Emma's journal. So I hope that people see what I put out there, like it, actually think, I oh, know, okay, that's, that's good. Who's doing it for it? And then if it's actually me, you know, so I kind of try send people through Emma's journal to Emily May Media because a lot of people who follow me are you know bloggers or triathletes in the same kind of industry yeah and even if you don't really aspire to be a blogger or you are just somebody who's really into sport and is trying to be an athlete we're living in a world now where to get sponsorship you know for for you it's not enough to be a really good athlete you know you have to have a good social presence so it's interesting like I guess traditionally a photographer would you know do print work and you know they'd probably go down a totally different route to what I would say as me as a content creator would now now it's actually you know people's Instagram profiles is their whole job now so they need good content so I I do focus more on social content for people that's Um, interesting yeah I've seen that a lot as well I think it's so important, like, whether it's whatever whatever kind of niche you're in. I mean, everyone can sell through Instagram now, I feel. I was talking, I was running um, a workshop right before I talked to you about Instagram and running an audit. One of the things that I said, which is exactly what you said as well, is that people uh, go through your your Instagram, they look you up on Instagram before they look you up on your website. Yeah. Have you noticed that? I always do. I I barely look at people's websites now. Yeah, I got, like, three ladies and both of them were like, yeah. Yeah, I always look at someone else. Like, then a girl, lady was like just nodding, and I said, "I know," because yeah. that's what we do. We don't think about it, but that's is it easier. It's on our phone. We know how to go, and you just write down the name of the brand or the person, and you know that you're probably gonna find them. Yeah, and I think even though it's very curated now, it still is a better representation because it's in like real yeah. time. You know, your website, you probably don't update it. I mean, I don't update mine as often as I should. But my Instagram, I update it daily. Exactly, um, and the, obviously we've got stories now, so that is in real time. So you see people you know in the kind of raw not the curated grid um way but yeah it's interesting i think especially when you understand how you want to communicate with people and what you're trying to sell like i also am a writer so my writing i do it in another platform but nevertheless i decided to go for that platform or the um my website is very static it just literally tells you what i do and my book and stuff is very static compared to i use medium and that's where i write but just as i say i chose the next the next best thing for the medium that I wanted, which was writing, to get people to see my writing. Yeah. And then I do something in our magazine and stuff. So there are a couple of tools that are the normal kind of publishing ones. But that one is more of a social kind of writing. And it's good for me to kind of build my presence and stuff. And I just thought, why? You know, sometimes you're trying to fight this. But if people are going to be more likely to find writers, for example, on Medium, or a bigger publication, funnily enough, why don't I do that? And as you say, if people are more likely to want to see what you're about and kind of get a feeling or you or your content because it's visual through Instagram, even video, I think, is, yeah. is kind of coming that way, is, of course, also for Instagram's sake to engage on Instagram, but also a way to showcase what you can do. Mm. Um, that is, you're better off having something simpler because, realistically speaking, everything that you create, you have to update, realistically speaking. Yeah. So if you've got a website that has got a portfolio a blog and this and you cannot keep up with it my i was i'm thinking can you simplify and just really think where are your people and where can you give them more value yeah 
Um, because as you say, it's hard sometimes to remember to update your stuff. It's, it is. <laughs> I think there's just so many, especially when you've got like too many accounts like I do. <laughs> but yeah, I've noticed people people come back to your Instagram and they'll engage with you every day. Um, I get far less comments on blogs. People will actually read a blog and then comment me on Instagram to tell me they've read it or they enjoyed really? it. Or yeah, I'm th- I've seen that. It's people. Yeah, it's interesting. So. So yeah, I definitely think Instagram is, for me, currently the best platform. And it's different as well because I do have a YouTube, which is not for my media, it's Emily's Journal. Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, I guess it does interlink. Um, and I feel like that's a totally different audience as well. You know, I, I don't know why, but I kind of... I feel like I know my Instagram audience and I know my YouTube one and they're totally different. I mean, my YouTube's a lot smaller, but they just seem like a completely different load of people and that's one's so much more triathlon specific they're there for advice race reports whereas instagram people want a bit more of like my life yeah if that makes sense and yeah, I, yeah. I actually don't share too much of outside of training apart from on stories you know just kind of what i get up to but if i ever do like question polls of what people want to see it's actually more like behind the scenes which is weird where uh, youtube i feel like they just want to informative triathlon you know yeah and i think that's where sometimes people get get stuck or upset or or just necessarily like don't see any result from what they want because you are if you go against what you just said because you're smart and you see that and that's kind of what you do if you go against that you try to bring everybody in the same place some people might not want to be in that place because that doesn't resonate that side of what you're talking about yeah that the content doesn't resonate with them but because you have still an engaged audience that wants that it's okay to diversify them and just to kind of keep them as as their own thing and i think that's what Actually, bloggers and content creators, it's kind of hard because there's like 70 different names for pretty much the same thing. But (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I like to call them influencers as well, but then again, there's always this connotation which we're trying to kind of get rid of. But you know, they're influencers. Anyway, um, it's it's kind of different because you already know that a bit more. Whereas if you're a brand or a company, because you work for companies, for brands, it's harder to understand that. It's like, well, but my my ideal uh, costume, my ideal audience is X. But if you're attracting Y to yeah. Instagram, two things. Either you completely change your strategy or you try and help Y find a solution for your company. Yeah. Is, is it making sense? Yeah, and I think I learned that early on because, like, my background... I've always done content creation for brands, but originally when I first, like, when I graduated, I went into... I was actually writing the content, so I was, like, more strategic, you know, doing social media freelance work for different brands. Obviously, I know you through, like, Waybox and thing, the things I do for brands like that. So I learned quickly, like, it's just not a one-size-fits-all. Like, that brand might work really well on Instagram, but that completely doesn't. And that tone of voice is perfect for that brand, but that one needs to be way more formal. Or, you know, and I quickly mm-hmm. learned that. And, and also, not just separate brands, but within that brand the platforms so I think I kind of got to experiment through the work I did for other brands so then I kind of when it was to my own work it was quite easy to then realize what if that makes sense I what would you think or what do you think about because again content creators now we're going to go with content creators as a name but yeah um one of the things that I'm noticing as a trend on the other side working and helping content creators is that there's a lot of uh, like confusion and kind of like expectation on whether you want to go through the route of just being fully freelancing in a way where you actually are project-based freelancing yeah freelancing can be so many things and some people are like 
actually trying to go with the freelancing of still having your blog and then as you said you used to do or you still do again this is not I'm sure so maybe you can share the light <laughs> yeah freelancing for different brands on a more kind of like almost becoming a team member yeah at a specific time I've seen that a lot of people are still struggling with those and then and they're still trying but I also am feeling that there needs to be a bit more clarity about what the expectations are for each yeah and what does that mean about your own brand because if you still want to do everything something will have to get definitely so what about your experience where you're at right now because yeah. I know where you were but I want to hear where you're at right now with this well um so I still do the freelancing the where it's where you kind of part of a team but you're not really yeah. I still do do that but then I actually also will randomly take up project work as well yeah. if it's like something that appeals to me and because it still does excite me doing the strategic stuff it's just not just not as much as they're just fully doing the you know the imagery kind of thing um and then obviously on the side I, I don't have any ongoing relationships with brands I've been asked back to be fair for shoots but that's just picking up work what I can and what I love um so I do it all I guess but I think before that that works for brands and it works for influencers if they kind of a part of the team but they're not it's a freelance basis but it's a permanent role as a freelance basis I see I see I see I think that really works for a brand because it's probably more cost effective yeah um and they've probably got someone who really wants to do it but they've also got ambition and they're not you know sat there miserable because they really want to do something on the side because they are doing it and it's all everyone's clear about that yeah 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 um and it's good for the freelancer because it's hard being a freelancer like you know you can't you don't if you don't know when your next job's coming in it's quite nice to have one or two projects on this you know clients that are there ongoing I think you know that's a really sensible idea yeah um especially if it's ones that you enjoy so it's still you've got that kind of creativity and freelance just feel about what you're doing um so I do see why that works but I understand what you're saying it's like it's really hard to keep on top of because I always I never really used to share on my Emily's as a blogger yeah yeah and I still do it really of my work that I do for brands because yeah very rarely do I do that. Yeah. A lot of people don't think what well, I do, don't really know what I do. I guess. I guess so. You had a good point though. That's the, that's where the compromise lays. You said working with one or two brands, as well. Yeah. I think that where actually personally that's where I have an opinion. Usually I tend to be quite yeah okay I see case where I have a bit more opinion is when you're trying to do your thing, but also you're trying to become an agency almost and like running three or four or five companies at the same time. That's where people need to be mindful, unless you are an agency, which also is no, is no mean feat, yeah. because you literally have to become different people at all times, and it's I've we've done it as the HBC, like creating a sim, different brand, break it down, try it. wasn't for me, yeah. and I think that's what people need to realize. If you are one man and one woman shop, what you're giving to the other brands, let's say you, you said like a couple of projects, that's different because you're giving one or two more people, like that kind of following that support that growth yeah when you start spreading yourself too thin that's where i personally think the issues come in definitely and that's kind of why that's why i was like yes yeah one or two it's different that's different it's one or two and you can yeah put that time and the effort and you also probably you know enjoy working with the brand because you have a connection yeah it's hard when you got i know people are having 10 and you're like how when i first started that's what i did when i when i left and i decided i was going to go freelance you have this mad panic you know i've got to make this work so i've got to get as much work as i can you say yes to and you sell yourself to everyone Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you have got like 10 clients and oh my god it is so stressful like simple jobs like because i was doing content creation so just like planning the content and then scheduling it 
that's so easy to get wrong when you've got 10 different people's content to schedule <laughs> and your head's, you know, in so many different businesses, which com- when I first did it, I did it like an agency. So yeah. I would have the most random clients. They weren't even within a niche. They were just mm-hmm. anything. So it was so confusing to go from one to the other. Mm. And you think, yeah, I can do it. And then oh, it can get really on top of you. And then you do, you kind of lose your creativity and you just feel really stressed and it's not enjoyable and you like you said you just spread yourself too thin I think you need to get if you are doing it that route you need a couple like we said um really be like confident in what you're offering to them so yeah your prices might be a bit higher than if you're doing 10 clients and doing slightly less of a job and just enjoy it feel like you're part of the team but be strict with you what you not strict but be sensible with what you're offering because yeah I think being freelance as well generally you attracts like passionate people who want to overwork all the time yeah and so you can give a brand way more than what they're actually paying for or what you were originally agreed on so you kind of I think it's a learning process but I definitely got better at being like actually you know I don't need to go above and beyond every every time (laughs) I do work like I can just do what I'm supposed to do for that brand because I've got to fill my other time with other work it's nice though because you people get to learn from the mistakes that other people make if you can have that conversation and I'm finding that that's what right now well, at least we are trying to achieve obviously we've always been trying to but again using a different medium and having conversations with people like you is just kind of reminding of people because these conversations are hard to have like you can have a potential with the blogger friends that we have or the community yeah. that you have but it's hard because you don't really know what where to start with it you don't really know and then thankfully you can learn from people like us and definitely people like me have been doing this for far too long and I've done every possible way I've tried yeah. it and I know incredible people that can share the story and because I find that that's one of the things that I'm most passionate about is just not necessarily health wellness is my industry but I'm more interested in helping the professionals because that's what is not talked about as much yeah you still talk about the entrepreneurs launching a brand you still talk about the founders but then there's all of us in the middle creating content and doing so many different things and there's still so much so little clarity because is the stories that really tell you things like yeah. you know you sharing your personal stories gets people to think oh actually that's where I am and this is what I'm feeling this way yeah and this is what I can do to change it because it doesn't work for everyone but as you say by learning you can see what you need to take out yeah and I think I do think it's good to have a conversation because I think online especially like the interpretation you can get of people especially if they're freelance so you'll see them in the middle of the day it might be the most convenient time for them to do their workout then or to go walk somewhere and have a meeting or you know as they're walking because they can and it just looks amazing and you're like wow they you know they're making this really cool freelance work like work (laughs) and you know it just seems perfect they don't have to be sat behind a desk and they're not you know they don't have to request holidays they can work from wherever and it does look so perfect but then on when you're in it actually people don't see how hard it is like it's it can be hard to get clients to pay you it can be hard to get work it you know can be hard to keep work ongoing you don't know when your next job's coming in like we said you've kind of got to balance a lot of different hats it's very confusing it's very time consuming and it might sound like you've got freedom of your own time but you've you booked far too many hours that's capable of fitting in in a day so i do think it's good to have the conversation so people you know are sat there thinking or they don't go into it with a kind of a false interpretation of what it's going to be like. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Because it's like, there's no... 
university for that. No. There's no training for it because it's hard. It's actually the business of learning how to work yourself through yourself because it's different from the, you know, business school or like business from what I know of the curriculum and stuff is a different kind of perspective. It teaches you how to be in business, how to grow a business, but also being in the business of yourself is a completely different ballpark because yeah. a lot of people want, as you say, want to start from the excitement. You start because, oh, I love doing this and people, they do that. They go on holiday in Croatia. I want It's fine, especially because, I mean, I, you cannot really, not necessarily blame because it's, you know, as is responsibility, but you're 18. When I was 18 and 19, I want to be a music journalist. I didn't give a damn about what I had to do to do it. Yeah. I just did it because I was like, you know, and that's the thing. You cannot blame somebody for being excited about it if they don't know what it actually is because nobody tells them. Yeah. Because there's no way for them to learn. How are they supposed to kind of like navigate it? If yeah. that makes sense? So that's the thing. We need to remember that, you know, when you're talking to an 18-year-old that wants to go on Instagram and make it their business, because I was talking to some people and, like, you know, their kids are, like, 11 or 10 and they want to become Instagram famous. Yeah. Like, but, this, you know, if that's all they're seeing and they're not seeing what the real person is behind and what they're doing with it... Yeah. How are you supposed to know? And the fact that it took, like, five years of free content not getting paid to, to achieve that and things like that. Exactly. It's interesting. It is. But then I think it's so cool for that kind of generation that they can literally create these jobs. And they, they are, like, they know they can create these jobs yeah. that don't exist and they can, you know, do it themselves from their phones. Like, I think that's really cool because I, obviously, I'm not old, but, like, I kind of felt like you had, to, <laughs> you had to go to uni and then you had to go get a job. And it just sounded like, you know, you'd be a bit of a letdown if you didn't say, oh, I've got this job and I've, I've moved from exec to manager now and I've yeah. got a pay rise with it. You know, I just thought you kind of had to do that. And it was only really when I realised I really didn't like doing that, you know, and I just couldn't bear to do it. I was like, no, I'm working for myself. No matter what it takes, I'd rather work for myself. Yeah. I think we're quite lucky. We are literally, I mean, I'm a bit on the older side, as in I, I was at the beginning. So, again, it was still impossible to explain my friends, not even grandma, what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, community, great. How would they pay you for that? I was like, well, let me explain. This is more so it's that kind of thing. Um, but we're quite lucky that we are the first ones. Mm. Uh, so we kind of like managed. It's, I think because as you say, it's the legacy. And it's that kind of... Uh, everybody I talk to on the content creator side, so like content creators and bloggers and influencers that I've talked to already on the podcast, everybody has said the only biggest misconception is that you see you see people when they are... When they're somewhere. Yeah. But you don't see everything else to happen. You said like, years of free content yeah. and the learning. So it's that kind of thing. Like we are, in a way, lucky that right now we're talking and we have learned so much and things are going well because we learned from the mistakes and we didn't give up. Mm. And so it's that kind of thing. That's that's what happens when you're the first generation of a big change. And now everything can just get better from that because there's more... I think also there's more recognition from people working in the workspace as it is yeah. rather than just us doing our thing there's a lot more as you said like the brands are more welcoming yeah. to people that might be saying I want to do a day or two day like Samantha and Amy work for me and they both work three days Yeah, and that's totally fine for me that's kind of like the it way they want. so you know but because there's more an open conversation on that side so I think it's also helping the, the, the normal workforce providing more jobs and better jobs for everyone Yeah, so that some, somebody wants to be full time running something they can do it but there's also opportunities for other people to as you say support smaller brands yeah and do that sort of thing i just think it makes sense especially from because i've all the work i've done kind of on a freelance basis has been startups yeah so and it's very transparent like i know their budget it's not huge so we kind of work together in that like how can i help you 
you know, I still obviously want to get paid for what I'm doing, but how can it be the best for both of us? Yeah. You know, so that might not be a full-time role, but this is what I'll do for you and I'll get paid for that. And I just think it, it just makes sense, especially if it is a new brand or a new business or whatever, because, you know, it's just, it's hard, isn't it? And you have got to fit around people. You've got to adapt and it's... It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Darling, I have uh, the last question, the final question. Okay. The all and be all question. Oh, I'm nervous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm building it up. Uh, it's not that bad as well. Um, so, if you were yeah. to get even the chance to have brunch, brunch because we're millennials, uh, with anybody, dead or alive, oh, God. what would it be? Who would it be? And the alarm also went off, by the way, people. Uh, to oh. create more gravitas to this very important question. Oh, that's a really hard one. I know. That's the only one that actually gets a bit of silence. People can recover from my laugh and my very loud voice. Yeah, because, like, that's just so difficult. Dun, dun. Um, I know. Who would you? Can I can I reflect the question first? Oh, that's that's a good one. Uh, nobody asked me that before. I like how you're buying yourself time. <laughs> that is a, a smart. Um, I think oh, I got too many. Okay. I can have a supper club brunch. Yeah. Um, I probably will have Vlad. <coughs> my the Russian my, my Russian is going to come out. Vladimir Mayakovsky. Okay. It's called Vladimir Mayakovsky if you want to put it that way was um futurist russian poem okay. poet not poem lol um <laughs> futurist russian poet who i have tattooed a couple of his poems on my body and it was my dissertation was on him and it was just a fascinating human being complicated like very interesting time in russia i mean most times in russia culturally were interesting but uh, very flamboyant very yeah. like big as a personality but also incredibly insecure and uh, very aware of himself and aware of like life and the meaning of life and that kind of stuff. So very on the depressed side, I will be honest. But um, his art was fascinating. He was also an artist and a writer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've wrote about him so much. I've wrote a dissertation on him. I think he's oh. only fair offering yeah. brunch. I probably, he will probably offer me a shot of vodka though. Realistically, okay. it wouldn't be probably a cool brunch. It would be literally like again, it's smashed and I, I don't drink. So that would be an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, so yeah, I think probably him. Okay, I got... Can I do a mix? Can I do a few? Yeah, you, you just kind of do a okay. brunch club. My first one would be... I'm basically obsessed with people that do, like, ridiculous challenges, like, long-distance stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I've got a thing for, like, people who you just look at and think, why on earth would you do that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I would... Have you heard of James Lawrence, Iron Cowboy? Uh, it rings a bell. He did 50 Iron Man in 50 days in 50 states. Oh yeah, I did actually get to meet him at the London Triathlon show and speak to him and like fangirl him and get a selfie <laughs> with him for a little bit. But I'd like to go to brunch with him because I just I'd want to ask all the all questions. The yeah, um, probably I'm going to say his name wrong. Killian Jorne, who is the best ultra runner in the world. He apparently took all the photos for his wife's, who's equally amazing, book, and he's not known as a photographer. So I'm like, how did you do that? And how are you such a good runner? Yeah. Um, I do know Ross Edgley. Um, yeah. I've had the pleasure of training with him a few times, but I would definitely want to go for brunch with him just to see like how nice. much he eats, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going to say. I read an article, I think, on men's health at some point about how much he ate in a day for one yeah. of his... He might even like give me a run for my money because I'm a good eater, so <laughs> we'll see. Um, I think I had one more. Oh, yeah, there's a guy called Ian Corliss who's an absolutely amazing... Um, run runner photographer yeah. if that's the word um, 
and he goes to like all the huge ultra races and I just need to know secrets like how is he getting around these mountains so quick to get these epic photos so there'd be there'd be five of us nice yeah and I think you probably have to order pretty much the whole yeah. restaurants now <laughs> no, right get that yep to forward that yeah a few more of those <laughs> Then you can go for a run before or after. Amazing. Perfect. And, and Ian can take photos of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Emily. So again, if um, people want to find out more about you, what are your two handles so they can find you at? Uh, for Instagram, it's Emily's underscore journal, which yeah. is all things kind of triathlon sport rated. And then it's Emily May Media, spell M-A-E, Yeah. Um, for photography stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Make an Impact Show. For more info on the HBC, head to our socials at hbloggers.com or go to our website, healthbloggerscommunity.com. Now, get out there and be awesome.